As Christians, we sometimes fail to see our place in the community. We probably fail to realize exactly what we are and who we are and the importance of each of our lives. And that each of you this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the potential to see reform in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your workplace, in your schools, wherever it is that you be placed from Monday through to Friday, you have the potential to bring reform. You have the potential to be a light that will see men and women who are lost in this world and seeking truth to see them saved. And I want to bring that to you this morning through a man who against all odds stood for God. A man who was brought up in ungodliness, surrounded by ungodliness, yet he stood for God and he was a bright light. And that means that you and I are without excuse this morning, regardless of our background or upbringing or where we found ourselves in life, whether that was a godly upbringing and influence, whether we were brought up, uh, well, in the gutter, if you like, wherever we were brought up and wherever we find ourselves this morning, if we're in Christ, we have a light placed among us and within us, and we are able to shine for God. And our, our title this morning is, it's named after the king that we're going to be looking at this morning, King Asa, and it's King Asa, a great light among a great darkness. And that's Second Chronicles chapter 14 we're going to be reading from this morning, verses 1 through to 8. And this is where this young man becomes a king. And we're going to be breaking it down as we go through it. We're going to be looking at King Asa this next few weeks, God willing, uh, looking at his life um, to see what we can learn and glean from this man. Um, no doubt we could start off looking at this man saying he started off great in his ministry, perhaps didn't end just as great. But listen, that's the Christian life. We have good times, bad times. Um, we, we, there's times that we're higher up the mountain than other times. But in it all, we're still alight wherever we find ourselves this morning. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would come and minister to each of us this morning. That, Lord, this, this day that we would know a sense of your presence. Lord, that even the fear of God would come upon us, your people. And, Lord, that, that would give us an attentive ear. God, that would give us, Lord, a heart that would seek to stand for you and to follow you, Lord, in these days. Lord, we, we thank you this morning, Lord, for being saved. We thank you for that salvation that many of us have received and, Lord, partaken of this morning. But Lord, we know that Scripture teaches, Lord, that coming to faith is only the beginning, Lord, that we have a journey, a path to walk, Lord, a path that you yourself say you would lead and guide us in. That, Lord, you say that we will be a light to this world of darkness. Lord, you say that we will be used of you, Lord, and we will be a light that will lead men and women to Christ. Father, at times our minds are deceived, Lord, our hearts are hard. But, Lord, you still say that you will lead your people, that we will be a light. And, Father, I pray, Lord, over each person this morning, that, Lord, they would hear from you, that the Holy Spirit would work and quicken within them. And, Lord, that each of us would leave here today knowing who we are and where we stand in this life. Lord, that our stance would be found indeed on that rock, that we would know that it's Christ that we serve. It's him who is at the center of our lives. So, Lord, I pray for favor this morning, for that blessed power of Pentecost to come, Lord, and minister among us. Lord, to help me even this morning to share this word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let us read together then this morning, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 1 through to 8. Then Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And his son Esa reigned in his place. And in his days the land was at peace for ten years. And Esa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. He removed foreign altars and high places. He shattered the sacred pillars. And chopped down the Asherah poles. He commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, to observe the law and the commandments. 
He also removed the high places and incense altars from all the cities of Judah. And under him the kingdom was at peace. Think of that, he was at peace. And because the land was at peace, Esther built fortified cities in Judah. In those days, no one made war with him because the Lord had given him rest. And so he said to the people of Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with great walls and towers, with doors and bars. For the land is still ours because we sought the Lord, our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. And so they built and the Lord prospered the people. I know that the Lord will bless the reading of his word. There's so much to take into this, and God willing, over the next few weeks, we will be pulling wee bits out of this this morning. I have simply two points this morning. I'm keeping it shorter deliberately this morning that we can glean and take um, some things out of this for ourselves as the people. The word spoken over our church uh, last week as we started off, and many people are still sick, and many people are still sick, and we thank God that anybody had this coffin bug that we've got over it. It's been rough for, for those who've had it. But there's still many people sick. But last week, the word over the church that we are going to be a great light as a church among the darkness, a light that will see people come out and be saved and come to the, out of the darkness into the light. That people seeking truth will be able to see it. That's important. As a light, as a Christian, if people are seeking truth, they're going to be looking to you for truth. And that's why it's so important as men and women of God that we are living a life that speaks truth. That our actions are truth, that our words are truth, that what we say uh, matches up with our lifestyles and what it is we say. We can say we love God, but by our actions we can show a very different narrative. And that's why it's so important to live right. Live as the word instructs us to live. That means our light becomes bright. Our word was from, was from Isaiah 60. If you weren't here last week, write it down and mark it in your Bible. I believe it is a word for us uh, as a church throughout this year and beyond. It was a rise and shine. For behold, great darkness is going to cover the earth, and a thick darkness is going to cover the peoples. Now remember, we looked at this. But the Lord will rise upon you, that's you, the church this morning, and his glory will appear over you. Despite what's going on in our lives, his glory is upon us and will be upon us. And then it says this, and nations will come to your light. Nations will come, that means people will come to you seeking salvation. Individually, people will come to you seeking the way of salvation. How, how can I be saved? What is it about this God that how can I find this peace that you have? These are the sort of things that you, the, the church, is going to be experiencing these days on. And what I noticed about this character in the Bible is this actually happened in the days of King Esha. He experienced a nation coming to him. We're not going to look at that today, but he experienced this. King Esha, he saw revival break out under his reign as the king of Judah. He was a great light and revival broke out under him. And because of this great light of godliness that was seen in this man, he began to shine among Judah. This king who was among this great wickedness began to shine. And many of God's people left the, the darkness of Israel, which was the, the, the northern kingdom, and made their way to Judah because they saw this light of godliness and they wanted it. Make no mistake about it, church, this morning. People desire to see this great light that the Bible speaks about. And when they see it, they will come to it. Make no mistake about it. People want truth. People want the real thing. They don't want a fabrication of the Holy Spirit. They want the Holy Spirit. Do you want the Holy Spirit or a fabrication? People always will go to the truth and want the light. And the word for you is, is a rise and shine and the people will come. And we're going to go with that flow throughout this year. Now, King Esther, who was it? King Esther was the grandson of King Rehoboam. 
Rehoboam is Solomon's son. King Solomon, you know the, the kingdom divided at this point in history. So that means Rehoboam was the first king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom. Now, King Asa, he is the third king to reign over Judah that became a great light of the gospel. But there's something that we need to know here. It'll help you and it'll help me this morning. King Asa was brought up by a wicked uh, father, a wicked mother, uh, ungodly parents, uh, ungodly people surround him, surrounded him all of his days. But what we see in this, even in the midst of this, this cesspit of sin, God called him out of it. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It's for the whosoever will. It doesn't matter where you are in the social ladder. You could be at the top end, life of luxury. You could be in the gutter. It doesn't matter where we stand. Here we see a man surrounded with all the wickedness and wealth that ever could be one man's. And God called him out of it. To come out into the shine to be used of God. And through him reform would come to a nation. And that's what King Esau did. He took a stand for God. And listen, here's what I noticed when I considered him. It was his actions. It was his changed life that became a powerful light in Judah. It wasn't the testimony that he was a, a king of Judah, God's people, because all of, of Israel's kings were wicked. All of them. I think there was three in Judah throughout the whole history of Judah that was somewhat questionably godly. So it's not by name that a great light was shone. He took a stand for God and his actions, his changed life, his born-again life, as you like, became a powerful light in Judah. And what I see is this, King Esau put his full reliance on God, and God blessed him. Not only him, but he blessed the people of Judah. And that means if you and I put our full reliance on God, he not only blessed us, he blessed our family and our families, uh, our children's children. And that's what I just want to start off as we start to break this down. Christian, put your full reliance on Jesus Christ this morning. It's amazing how things can come upon our hearts and rob us of that reliance. We can think, perhaps, that we're standing fully upon that rock, trusting fully the voice of God, but it's amazing how quickly we can rely on our own understanding. And if we put our full reliance on the Lord Jesus Christ, the, it says God will bless us and bless the people in your life. He'll cause you to be a light that draws men to Christ. And I want to help you do that this morning as we start. Through the Word, of course, not through my wisdom. And if you're taking notes this morning... I want you to write this point down. It will help many of you in life. It might be a strange point, but nonetheless, it's a point. It's something that many people believe about themselves, which is wrong. <clears throat> and here's the first point. The sins of our forefathers don't have to be our sins. The sins of our forefathers don't have to be our sins. Now, if one looks through, back through their family history, their family line, what often happens is a pattern can emerge. I don't know if you've ever seen this in people. Let me give you an example. If the father was a drunkard, the chances are the children would follow the same path. If the mother struggled to be a mother, then perhaps the daughters would struggle to be a mother too. A dishonest man would often produce and train up dishonest children. It just seems to be the way life is. The sins of our forefathers can sometimes appear to follow us. It's as if they set us on a path that's destined for failure and heartache. I wonder, is that what you think about yourself this morning? Because of your family history, because of your background, because of where you've been brought up, or what's been spoken over your life, you've, you've said to yourself, I'm destined for failure. I'm destined to be of no good. Well, the Bible speaks very differently against this sort of mindset. The sins of your forefathers do not have to be your sins. 
You don't have to make the same mistakes as your forefathers did. Each generation keeps repeating the same mistakes of the last generation. I call it a circle of sin. I've seen it in my own life. No doubt if you look in your own, you'll see it. It's the repetitive things that the same mistakes I made, my father made, my father's father made, my cousins, my brothers, my, my family, we seem to be making the same mistakes until Christ comes on the scene. The cure for a generational curse has always been and will always be repentance towards God and faith in Christ. Now, there is teaching out there, and it's utter, utter nonsense to believe that in Christ we have still generational curse. Either Christ is enough and breaks that line or he isn't enough. You decide, for me, I decided. The circle of sin that once followed me, the mistakes and the sins of my forefathers, they end with Christ. But I have a responsibility to act and live in a right way as well. I can't claim to follow Christ and go to the bar and be a drunkard. I can't do that. I can't fail to rear my kids and expect them to go up and be following the Lord. And we have responsibilities. But in Christ, this generational curse of our forefathers' sins is broken. And at church, we ought to be saying amen, but there's nonsense being spoken over our lives in these days. But here's the thing. The Apostle Paul says, like, if any man or woman is in Christ, they're a new creation. He says, he says something profound. He says, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That means the old generational curse of your fathers is gone. The same sin mistakes that, that we repeat are gone in Christ. It's broken. We entered into a new place. The man or woman <coughs> excuse me, of Christ now stands on a different path. <coughs> Does anybody know what that path is? It's the path of righteousness. Think of the 23rd Psalm. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will be glorified through you, church. You will be a light because it's for his name's sake and he will lead you in the paths of righteousness. He'll take you away from them valleys of sin, them, them places where you've been brought up in, them words have been spoken over you that will be broken in Christ. But he says he will lead you out of the gutter into them paths of righteousness. And I thank God for that. And I thank God that I can testify of that in my own life. He broke that. He brought me out. He set me in a path of righteousness had absolutely nothing to do in of me and myself, my own strength. But the path of righteousness is only for the redeemed. Do you see that this morning? Only Christ can place you there. And once you're set on this path, this cycle of sin is broken in your life. And that's what I mean when I say the sins of our forefathers don't have to be our sins. We don't have to repeat or make the same choices as our forefathers did. When we come to Christ, it stops. Tell that to yourself this morning, perhaps if you don't believe that. In Christ, it stops. Either it's finished, either it's enough, or it isn't enough and it's not finished. And if you're saved this morning, it's stopped. This cycle of sin that is repetitive in your life, that seeks to pull you away from God and to ruin your life, it stops. It's broken this morning, you're free. Now, King Asa, he came from a family line of ungodliness. His family was... How would you put it? Well known. They had a good reputation, only it wasn't so good. Is that clear enough? It wasn't that great of a reputation. They were well known, if you like. And his background, now King Esau's background was questionable. I wonder this morning, dear Christian, is your background questionable? Because that's the sort of people that God calls. He calls those people whose backgrounds is questionable. 
who aren't perhaps the choice of society, who aren't probably from, he calls people whose families have got them sort of reputations. Now, not always. Of course, he calls all people, but there's this, there's this cycle of sin that seems to bound men and women. We see it today more than ever. And this man's life was, was, background was questionable. But God got a hold of him and this cycle of sin was broken. Now we read about this background of King Esau's in 1 Kings 15. We're not going to be turning to it. But if you're taking notes, look at it yourself. It tells you about him. And I want you to notice what it says. It'll back up what I'm saying this morning. It says that his father walked in the sins of his fathers. That means King Esau's father walked in the sins of his fathers. In other words, he repeated the same sins that his father committed. He was trapped in this circle of sin that was handed down to him from his father. Esau's father, Abijah, was a wicked king. His grandfather, Rehoboam, was a wicked king. His mother was a wicked woman who worshipped all the idols in Judah. And it was, it was his grandfather who was, would first lead Judah into all idolatry. Would take a whole nation into ungodliness. And we are told this, that Abijah, that's King Esau's father, committed all the sins that his father had done before him. And it's here we see this circle of sin that I'm talking about this morning, this generational curse, if you like, in Asia's family. Each generation repeating the same sin as the last, the same mistakes. Abijah committed all the sins of his father before him. The scriptures is telling you this morning to get an understanding of it. This is the way of man. This is the way of the transgressor, if you like. This is how we will live outside of Christ. We will repeat this circle of sin, but Christ, when we fully trust him, will break this in our lives. In 1 Kings 15, we are told something about Abijah that might help you this morning. It says this, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. And here's the warning to every Christian, and it's our second and last point today. A divided heart will lead you in ungodly paths. A divided heart for God will lead you out of the will of God and into ungodly territory, ungodly paths for your notes. And here's what I want to say. Be careful of following the leading of your hearts. Now, many have fallen away because they've allowed their heart to lead them and guide them. Have you ever done that? Follow this. And this is telling you everything that you need to know but there's a greater there's a greater conviction deeper within you that knows that what you're doing isn't right but this heart tells you this is the way that God's calling you this is the way you ought to walk and many have fallen away by allowing their heart to lead them many a person has become shipwrecked in the faith in the ministry because they believed God was leading them in a certain direction only to find out it wasn't the Lord at all it was their heart the Bible tells us that our heart's deceitful. It can't be trusted. Now, understand that, and you'll do well in life. Your heart is not your friend. It's not truth. Your heart will convince you. I remember many years ago coming off the cigarettes and saying to myself, right, that's me. I'm off them. I'm taking no more with me. And my wee heart says, Neil, sure, look at it. Why didn't you buy 10? The wee packets of 10. Miss Truth, put it in your car, and if you're stuck. I was 100% convinced this was a wise decision. Do you think this was a wise decision, church? No. no. Well, you couldn't have told me that at that present time. 
because I knew the Lord was speaking to me. You see, I was saved. I was changed. My life was being changed. And I believe this was the wisdom of God. It was the wisdom of Neil. And that's the thing about the heart. It's our debased nature. It's the side of us that we don't like to be even talk about. And the Bible tells our hearts can't be trusted. So be careful. Follow the Lord and, and with full devotion of your heart and you, your heart will know its place. When we have fully sold out to God, we will discern our heart. For a divided heart will lead you in ungodly paths. And every Christian must be careful. Now, King Esau, I want to see, I want to bring this out. It's a bit sharp of a point, but look, we can't hide from it. He was brought up in the house of God. Here's the thing. Judah was God's people. And what we learn is that even among God's people, sin is found. We shouldn't be shocked at that, actually. Why should we be? Now, I want you to see this. King Esau was surrounded by men whose hearts were divided toward the Lord. Men who followed the leading of their own hearts and not the leading of the Lord. And as a result of these leaders, the whole nation of Judah worshipped false gods and the land suffered. Now, during this time, the Bible tells us that Judah had no peace. She had no security and she had no rest. I wonder, is that you this morning? You have no peace in your life. You have no security. And you're, you're, you're raging within you, your soul. You're not, you're not at peace with yourself. And this is what a lifestyle outside of Christ does. Only peace and security and rest is found in Christ. Now, Christian, within the house of God, now I'm speaking, let's be clear now, when I mention the house of God, I'm not talking specifically Monaghan Elam. I'm talking about the, the church as a whole. Within the house of God, there's half-hearted men and women often reside. We need to understand this. And be careful that you don't become like them. It's very easy. It's contagious. There's an old saying that I like. I wonder if you're familiar with it. Birds of a feather flock together. You ever heard that before? Birds of a feather flock together. Now, what does that mean? Well, drug addicts attract drug addicts. Alcoholics attract alcoholics. Gossips attract gossips. Half-hearted Christians attract half-hearted Christians. Christian, here's a simple point as I see here. Surround yourself with people whose hearts are fully devoted towards Jesus and you will do well. Don't look for perfection in the people or in the church because the church is not perfect. You'll not find it. You'll not find it in your own life. Instead, look for the heart that's devoted for God, that's got humility upon it, that, that wants the, the Lord to be glorified in and through them. This type of heart will help you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, King Esther from a young age was surrounded with people whose hearts were not for God. I've already said it. His grandfather was not a man of God. His father was not a man of God, had no commitment to the Lord. Even his mother, Mecca, I pronounce it as, Mecca, she was the queen of Judah. And Esther actually stripped her of her throne. She was so wicked and so ungodly and had such a negative influence on the people of Judah, her own son stood her down. And that's what it is to take a stand for God. And one might say about Esther, what chance did he have? Has that ever been said about you? Your man, what chance does he have? I was going to pick on Mark Mulligan there, but not. Or well, I have already, maybe. That young man, Mulligan, like, you know the history. That man, I don't know anything about the man's history, by the way. Just, just news the point. In case he has a real bad history, I don't know it. But what chance has he got? He's got a brother, Darren. Look at it. It can't be good, like. 
But that's the way we think. We write people off. And here's the biggest problem. The biggest person and the biggest critic of you is you. The person that will write you off before anybody else is you. The person who will say you can't do anything for God in life is you. The person who will say you can't be a good mother is you. That's the problem. And then we look to what we know and we look to our forefathers and we, we learn from them. And sometimes it's not great. Sometimes our lessons weren't wonderful. Sometimes we have to unlearn what we've been taught. One might say, what chance did King Esau have? And look at the stock that he came from. How could anything ever good come from him? We might think that man was destined to be like his father's. But yet we read in verse 2. Look at verse 2 in your Bibles this morning. King Esau did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. And at this moment, King Esau looked to the Lord. And that generational cycle of repeated sin that plagued his family was broken. And so it is for you, Christian, in Christ. The sins of your fathers end with you. And in Christ, we get to go again. Our background, our reputation, our mistakes, our sin, they're all removed via the cross. For there the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with it all once and for all. You're free this morning and speak that over your life. And out of this great darkness that covered the nation of Judah, a great light began to shine. And Asia did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord. Think of that. Why was there a light? Well, we're told... This king, this man did what was right, not in his own eyes, but in the sight of the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> what did he do? And here's a wee application for you, Christian, this morning, if you want to go on for the Lord. What this man did for the nation, you do for your heart, you do for your life. <clears throat> he took away the foreign altars and the high places. There's places that are high in your life and you keep running to them. And they, they demand your time, they demand your attention. It's not of God. And he recognized this over the people, that they, they run to these high places and worship things that ought not to be worshipped. <clears throat> they justified things that ought not to be justified. And if we've got them things in our life, we need to pull them down. And he took away the foreign altars, it says. He cut down the Asherah poles, which is pagan worship of a Canaanite goddess. <clears throat> Excuse me. He removed all the pagan idols in Judah. There's things we need to remove in our life. And by doing so, Esau began to punch holes in the light or sorry, in the darkness, and the light started to fly through. He started to lead by example. And as that, people started to look to him and to follow him and to turn to God. See, with every act of godliness that you and I do, a great light is seen. You see that? And with every act of godliness that King Esher did, a great light was seen in Judah. You know what happened, church? Revival broke out. You want to read about revival? Read Second Chronicles. All about revival. If my people, you're called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. What did the Lord say he'll do? And he did it in Chronicles. He ushered in revival. People fell and worshipped God. And the people all of a sudden began to seek God, we read. They pulled down the high places in all the cities of Judah. And we read this, that the kingdom had rest. Now, many of you, we Christians, are saved today, and you know what it is to have rest. And it's common nature to you. You forgot what it is to be, not to be able to sit under the preaching of the word where trembling. But there's people here and there's people listening that don't know this rest in their life. And when God speaks to them, they're still convicted. They're not right and you need to be saved. And this is what this is talking about. When a man or a woman pulls down these altars and, and commits their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, they find rest and peace for their souls. And that's what happens when a nation makes the Lord their God. They're blessed. You know what Proverbs says? And this is very significant for you and I today in the land that we live in. But then God, as we see in the authorities in the world even. And Proverbs 29 says this. When the godly are in authority, 
the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, the people groan. There's a lot of groaning going on today. Now, I'm going to close now in a few minutes. <clears throat> now, under King Esther's reign, I want to say this, the people no longer groaned. They rejoiced. And that's what it is to be in the Lord, because the joy of the Lord becomes our strength, not our circumstance, <clears throat> not our father's mistakes, but the joy of the Lord is our strength. And what we see is he, because there was peace in the land, he built fortified cities in, in the land. It says they had no war. It was a time of great peace. And so Judah entered a time of reform. That's the born-again man. When you come to faith, God starts to bring reform into your life. And a great light of the gospel was seen, and God moved, and the nation prospered. Now, here's the thing. I want to close with this thought. Judah found rest in God. She found security in God, and she found peace in God. And that's the effects the gospel has on the souls of men and women who are lost in Christ. There's rest for the soul. In Christ, there's security for the soul. In Christ, there's peace for the soul. Amen? There's peace for the soul.